Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this episode 369. I am joined as always by my co-host Stacy. That is at StacyPan89 on Twitter. Stacy, how are you doing on this uh Tuesday morning? Uh happy to see the Knicks win yesterday. Um tough game coming up tonight, but uh yeah. Yeah, we'll see how they do tonight. Back to back. Hopefully, OG is back. Uh, we know Randall will not be back tonight. Um, but before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. First, thing that Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram. Post all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching the podcast. If you are and you've not done so already, please hit like, subscribe to the channel, and leave us a comment. That would be a huge help to us. Strickland also has merchandise, which you can find on our website at www.strick.land. There's a link that'll take you to the merchandise store, and you can find all kinds of cool stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles. Coffee mugs, I said that. Whatever. Anyway, you name it, we've got it. We've got it all on there. Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland's podcast that I host every Friday at Prez. You also get access to our newest podcast, Takes from Obvious Bozos, that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, along with Zach Blatter. You also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod where I rant and rave with the mixing more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Mariner, one of the best in the business. And now you also get access to Strictly NFL, our newest podcast. That is about it. That is about the NFL. You guessed it. All right. And there are, are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening to pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly today, whether you choose to subscribe or not, it's possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online. It's playoff time. The road to Vegas goes through San Francisco and Baltimore. I guess not anymore. Uh, Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of performance props. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. Um, so the Knicks. Um, continue to win basketball games. Uh, they took care of business against the Hornets last night, a game that was tight in the first half. Uh, then they blew it open in the third quarter when, I mean, the team, Brunson, even Chenzo specifically, but as a group, they scored 44 points in the, in the quarter. Really, really impressive. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> I don't really know what else to say other than that. They were kind of magnificent in that quarter, and that pretty much was the game. Um DiVincenzo, again, uh, I mean, look, well, obviously we've said plenty about Brunson, but, uh, and deservedly so, he's having, he's peaking in, at an age where you would expect him to start to, to peak. He's 27 years old, entering his prime. Um, makes a lot of sense. DiVincenzo, also entering his prime, actually, he's 26 years old. Um, but, I mean, th- this is by far, in a way, I think, his best season as a pro. And, you know, obviously, I'm sure the Villanova connection helped. Um, we also saw that with Omari Smellman previously, just because you're from Villanova does not mean that you're going to be long for the Knicks. Um, but uh, 
kudos to the front office for pulling the trigger on signing him, getting him to sign uh, below the full mid-level, actually, at four years, $47 million. Because right now, that contract looks like one of the best non-rookie scale um, bargains in the league. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's just it gives the Knicks a different level of shooting than they had. Um, Grimes has that quick trigger, but uh, in many ways, DiVincenzo seems contest agnostic. Um, he can pull up from deep. Uh, he moves really well. He functions as that kind of connector piece um, that allows you to maybe have a guy like OG who doesn't necessarily give you that the same way that maybe other connector wings do, right? Obviously, OG gives you a ton. Um, but, you know, one of the fascinating things yesterday was, especially even that bench unit, right? How much cutting there was, how much movement there was, just pretty backdoor action. Uh, hey, yo. Um, you know, all, all this kind of... Um, you know, it was, there's just so much more movement and they can, they can slow it down. They can attack you. They can grind you with, with Brunson. Um, but that bench is starting to find its way, even, even precious, you know, like uh, I think he's been playing really well um, and he's functioning there. They're, you know, they make up a little bit. It's obviously it's Charlotte. So it's a little bit easier, but they make up for it a little bit by, you know, what Hart, DiVincenzo, um, Deuce and Grimes can do off the ball in terms of constant movement. Um, and I hope that remains a staple for this bench. Um, certainly, in, while they don't have a, a bench creator behind Brunson, and especially now with with Randall out, um, I did want to kind of re- so talking about Divincenzo shooting the ball at a really um, high level. I don't know if you mentioned this on a pod yet, but you had this development theory on Divincenzo. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it over the summer. It's not like a huge theory, but um, yeah, I mean, my thought was just like, you know, he had a little bit of a not a weird career, but um, he got hurt at a pretty inopportune time. Uh, he gets hurt basically at the end of his third season. And if you remember at that time, like, I mean, he was regarded as like a very solid player. Um, there was a Hollinger piece that actually came out that off season where he kind of, he does it every year where he projects uh, the rookie scale extensions and he, you know, he uses his own metric, whatever the hell it's got. I think it's called boards. Um, I'm not, look, I'm not a Hollinger fan. I'm just saying it. I, I remember this cause it was kind of an interesting thing at the time. His projection, I'm out of four years, 99 million. So even if you think that was an overpay, and I do think that would have been, I mean, it would have been an overpay. Um, this is a player that like, you know, people assumed was in line for at least like, kind of like a, at least a 16 to $20 million a year type of extension. He gets hurt. Uh, I forgot what exactly it was. It wasn't an ACL, but it was some type of lower body injury. Um, and he doesn't come back until kind of midway through the next season, plays 17 games from Milwaukee, then it gets traded at the deadline of Sacramento. Not really sure what happened in Sacramento, but, um, I mean, he, he had a cup of coffee there, played 25 games, then he left. They, they, they pulled, uh, they didn't even exercise his restricted free agent rights. He goes to Golden State for one year, kind of rebuilds his value, has a good season under his belt. Um, not a great season, but a solid season. It was good for Golden State. Um, shot 39.7% from three. And it's just weird because if you, not weird, but like when you look at his kind of trajectory coming in, you know, he shoots 40% from the field, 26.5% from three. Then his second year, he shoots 45.5% from the field, 33.5% from three. And then his third year before he got hurt, 
shot 42% from the field, but 37.9% from three. And he upped his three-point rate each season. Um, so you were seeing a guy who was showing like, okay, I'm improving as a shooter year on year. Um, and then he gets hurt. So he comes back his the next year and he kind of is playing his way back into, you know, the type of shape and, and all that stuff that you need to be in, get back into a rhythm. Shoots 30 over 42 g- combined games with Milwaukee and Sacramento. He just shoots 35% from the field and 33.9% from three. But in Sacramento, in the last 25 games he played, he did shoot, forget the 30, the 36% from the field is whatever, but, um, or it's not great, obviously, but he shot 36% from three. Sorry, 37% from three. And so you're seeing again, like, oh, okay. So it just took him some time maybe to get his legs underneath him. Last year, he shoot 39.7% from three. So basically 40% on 5.3 attempts per game. Look at kind of like, I don't know. Like I, I would be lying to you if I said, I thought he'd shoot you know, fucking 42% from three on six and a half attempts. And like you mentioned, it's not just the numbers it's it's the actual quality of these shots right that like like he's he's pushing the boundaries and and prez actually talked about this um over the summer too where he mentioned that like divincenzo is one of these guys like eric gordon does this too right where like they space out beyond the line like like a few feet off of the line you know and that 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 extra space is it adds value that like it's kind of hard to capture really but you know you compare where grime spots up for where do spots up from in comparison to divincenzo it's it's markedly different um so i mean that was really it and also like i mean the other part of this and i do think this is a hundred percent part of their like strategy that i think they've kind of streamlined over you know the time in, with this front office hartenstein 24 when they signed him jalen brunson obviously is 25 when they signed him uh, DiVincenzo, 26 when they signed him. Josh Hart, 27 or 28 when they traded for him. Um, like Even the Randall extension, he was, what, 28? Younger than that. He was 26 at that time. Yeah. Um, so, like, they are, they are looking for these kind of, like, dudes that they're good, but they're maybe undervalued, and um, they are not getting, like, and, and they're kind of floating under the radar type um, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I just think they've done a really good job and I do think DiVincenzo is, you know, maybe you get a little lucky with how well he's shooting, but I don't think it is luck that he's been as good as he has been. Yeah. And I mean, just to, um, you know, going by some numbers. So one thing that's really of late, especially he's actually finishing around the rim a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had a couple of drives where like early in the season is like, Oh, don't do that. You're not, you, you can't finish these. He had a, he has had some through contact, you know, off balance, putting some English on the ball. He's shooting 62% at the rim, um, which is um, the highest since the highest he's shot since his second year in Milwaukee, uh, where he shot 66%. But the volume is he's taking 17% of his shots from three from at the rim. It's worth noting his first couple of years in Milwaukee, he was, he's a pretty athletic guy and his rim uh, frequency was 25%, 34%. And then that third year that you mentioned, he took 26% of his shots at the rim. Um, and he was, at, he, he was able to do that more. Uh, I think with the injuries became more three point oriented and as his three point shot improved, um, became more three point oriented, but he's now back to taking 17% of his shots at the rim last year in golden state, only 12%. 
Um, and, and you're seeing that in terms of increased efficiency. Um, his advanced stats are actually pretty bonkers right now. Um, he has a 62% true shooting, which I imagine would lead the Knicks in all non-centers. Um, he has his VPM is 3.9, which is, that is all-star level. Um, for example, last year, Julius Randle was 3.7 BPM. Two years before that, 3.8. When his So first- you're saying Demon Gendo's better than Julius Randle? <laughs> That's what I'm trying not to say. What I am saying is it's very, like, the impact he's having is very impressive. Um, I think the only person on the Knicks that's probably higher, I know Jalen Brunson is like in the fours. Is it um, precious? I don't think it's precious. <laughs> um, but box, box plus minus, I think is a pretty, it, it, as far as advanced stats go, I tend to trust it a little bit more. Brunson's at 4.8. Last year was 3.9. So what DiVincenzo is doing is pretty damn good. But, um, you know, box plus minus, it kind of, it uses box store stats to predict your plus minus, right? So it doesn't have maybe all the noise of just the pure, um, on-off regressions. Um, some people prefer EPM. I'm sure DiVincenzo is pretty good in that as well. Um, but yeah, just shooting the ball at an extremely high level um, fits in well. I think he looks a lot better on defense next to OG, right? Um, and, and definitely, I, I think that Grimes DiVincenzo, I think it only played 49 minutes before yesterday. I think that's anytime you can play him with good point of attack defenders. This goes for Hart too, by the way. They're very good and, and quickly, right? Hart, quickly, DiVincenzo are all of that archetype where they're really, really good off ball um, in that free safety role, good at getting deflections. Um, I don't know how many steals per game DiVincenzo's averaging. He's averaging over a steal per game um, per 36, um, almost two steals per game. He's always been good at that. Um, they've really been able to deploy him to his strengths, and it's just the perfect complementary piece when you have Brunson and Randall both healthy. Um. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I did a good job explaining my theory. It's not really, like, it's not like a strong theory. It's more just like, yeah, I think that he was an undervalued asset. And I thought when they signed him, like, I was like, this this contract has a chance to be, like, I mean, not just good value, but like a bargain. Well, I think um, you're right also now, saying, I mean, like, look, the, way he's- the missed injury time also, you know, you, when people are just healthy, they can pick up on low-hanging fruit, right? So there may have been low-hanging fruit in his game and that you need you get from reps. For, for example, right, retooling is finishing around the rim after the injury. Those kind of things, if that hasn't happened yet, it could still happen, right? Because that's not just, that's not something that just passes you by. You can still kind of add to your game, if, especially if you're you know, a heady player who works hard and, and benefits from those reps. So um, I think that part of it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and I just, I don't know, like I think that, they've now shown form um, in terms of targeting these guys, like these kind of dudes that maybe bounce around the league for whatever reason, but they're available. They're in their, you know, entering or about to enter their prime. Um, and it's like, it sounds stupid, right? When you're talking about like on the surface, it sounds stupid when you're like, Oh, like Steven is just entering his prime, but like every player, most or 90% of players are at their best in at these ages like this is when they peak and so even if it's just a role player you're talking about you're getting the best role player years right you're getting the best versions of these guys that has a lot of value and you know look i look we, i i said it as a joke a little bit about like oh is it precious precious has been really good these last few games uh last five games i think he's really strung together some strong performances um but the main thing for me is that he even hit a three yesterday, right? Yeah, he hit a three. It was a contested three from the corner, actually. Uh, but like 
again, he's another one of these guys who's like 23, 24, you know, he gets drafted by Miami, then he gets traded to Toronto in the Lowry deal. And now, you know, they've got all this contract stuff going on. Doesn't really make sense with their roster, especially in terms of like building around Scotty Barnes. So it's like, okay, well, I guess we'll move him. And now we, you know, obviously they get quick and RJ and hopefully those guys do well there, but the Knicks take a shot on this guy. Okay. Live body, um, decent frame. He can play both spots. Let's see what he is, right? Like worst case scenario. Yeah. Like in worst case scenario, he sucks. He's an expiring contract. We move on. Best case scenario, we have his restrictive free agency rights. And I'm not saying, oh, my God, what a master class now. But they're at least getting some value from him. And if nothing else, I mean, honestly, if nothing else, he's at least shown a level where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll give him like a Deuce McBride type of contract. I don't mind that. That's fine. Keep some quality depth in the front court. Cool. They, well, especially keep- since you're going to you're going to have to you – ha- you're paying one center $15 million. They're going to have to pay Hartenstein this summer. Uh, so having a, a cheap – insurance third big plus sims you know that's that's pretty quality depth at a position where you're going to be investing a lot of resources yeah um so it's it's just you know um they've like just interesting how they've managed to target these type of guys i don't think malachi flynn is going to amount to much and honestly i don't really know that they even plan to give i mean they made it it seems pretty obvious they didn't really even want to give him a role right like they extended deuce the day they made the fucking deal, um, which kind of guaranteed, at least in my head, like I was like, okay, so deuce is the backup point card for now. Anyway. Um, I don't even, I don't think deuce is guaranteed anything either. Right. Like we've all talked about it, that the Knicks need to go get another ball handler creator, whatever. I think that's even more paramount now that um, Randall is out for the, who knows, we don't have a definitive timeline or anything yet. Uh, but at least for the next however many weeks, um, it's going to be even more important, but like, you know, Deuce is another guy and um, that, that they've just like, you know, he's a solid guy. He's a good dude to have in the rotation, especially like when you're shorthanded, like, you know, he stays prepared and all that type of stuff. Um, and the last, I just to go back to DiVincenzo very briefly, you mentioned his finishing has improved. One thing I've noticed, and I, I mean, thank God for this. He hasn't done one of those inside right-hand finesse finishes in a long time. I haven't seen one of those in forever. And those were the ones that I was like, oh my God, those drove me so fucking nuts because I, I feel like he went two for 25 on those. Um, he got so, blocked a lot on those too, right? So Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that's something that they worked on. I don't know if that's something that they like pointed well, out to him. I think that's probably partly... It is noticeable. And if he did have the... What was his injury early in his career? Something to his lower body. I don't, I don't know what the hell it was. I yeah, so... I mean, if you remember, again, in, col- in college, this was this guy came out as a pretty athletic player, right? The shooting yeah, was athletic, yeah. But I think that probably I would imagine that confidence, right? To not, like, you go for an inside hand finish often because you're trying to trick the defender, right? You don't have the confidence maybe in your lift to, like, go up over the top. And he's been making lefty finishes it, it, through contact, right? So it's he kind of... He tore a ligament in his left ankle. So it probably took some time, especially... It probably took, you know, especially when you think about you know, layups, it probably took some time for him to regain that strength. And now the confidence and like the ability to be like, no, I, I, I can actually, I have the lift now to finish over guys. That probably is, is where the light bulb finally came on this season. Right. So. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, great performance from Demon Chenzo. He took a career high actually yesterday, 22 shots. And I don't even care. I mean, they needed him or they needed somebody to pick up the usage and, um, he certainly did yesterday. I mean, he, he was, he was really good. Um, 
like you mentioned, career highs basically across the board here. Um, he's got his highest points per game, his best overall field goal percentage, his best three-point percentage. He's shooting more threes than he ever has. Uh, his highest EFG, his highest true shooting. Free throw shooting has been a little weird, although yesterday I believe he went two for two, uh, so he didn't miss. Assists are down. I actually think that's a good thing because I think he can get a little wild when you um, when you need hit to like uh, when he starts trying to create. But um, the good thing, like you know, two point three assists to one point one turnovers, I'm fine with that. His rebounding is really solid for a guard. I don't even know the numbers particularly do it justice. He's only averaging three point two rebounds per game this year, but um, you know he's a guy that you feel pretty good about holding his own on the glass, um, even though he is a bit undersized, even for the two guard spot. So again, he like just some secondary ball handling too, right? Like he can create yeah. a little bit. So um, it's kind of that point guard by committee for the bench. Cause Deuce can't really give you that, but he can handle it. Hart can do some things. Right. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, look at the end of the day, um, he's been, he's just been really, really good for them. And, um, they deserve a ton of credit for that. Obviously, uh, Jalen Brunson last night, another fantastic performance from him. I don't even know what the hell. The, like, the best thing about watching this game last night, I didn't. I barely looked at the box score. I haven't even like. I've been barely looking at the team's box scores uh, during this this run because um, the game isn't played on spreadsheets. At least, yes. Uh, just just ask. Um, you know, just ask. Yeah, ask Ricky G. Ask anybody who hates Dan Campbell now because he got owned by the nerds or something. <laughs> um, Jalen Brunson last night, thirty-two points, seven assists, four rebounds, thirteen to twenty-four from the field. I mean, just the variety of ways he's he's able to to hurt teams now, right? Like yesterday, he's only two two for six from three, and um, one of those was like a bomb from deep. Though he's starting to expand yeah. his range and take like the maybe got quite Dame or Steph range, but he's moving back beyond the three-point line too. Yeah, he played really well. The best thing about that, too, Brunson only played 34 minutes last night. So uh, Tibbs actually, like, th- so Tibbs clearly designated, like, he's like, okay, Josh Hart and DiVincenzo, you guys are going to be the uh, the innings eaters for me on this back-to-back because the Knicks do play tonight against Utah. Uh, but, yeah, he, I mean, they played. And, and I, I got 29 points, so it was kind yeah, of annoying that he had to come back in the end. So Yeah, it was a little annoying, but it, it happens. Um, I thought, Grim- I, look, I know Grimes did not shoot well. 3 of 11 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. I thought he played fine. I thought he gave them good defense. I thought there were moments. He had one really nice play where the Hornets went zone. He cut to the free throw line and then threw a pass right back out to DiVincenzo, who nailed a 3. Um, I, I like that he's getting more minutes now. I think tips his rotations. Like, even in a game like last night, you know, like last night would have been a perfect excuse for him, right, to just dial it up for Brunson and dial it. And I know they, they were up, so maybe he didn't need to. But he's shown a lot of like improvement, uh, especially in this last like, what since that Brooklyn game, where yeah. the rotations have just been a lot cleaner, they've been a lot better. He's balancing guys out. He's not running anybody into the red zone uh, with minutes too hard, too much. So, kudos to to Tibbs. He's done a really really good job of late. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, what else is there to say? I just thought this team played exactly the game they needed to last night against an opponent that was there for the taking. Um, obviously, no Lamella ball helped, and just the fact that the Hornets suck helped. Um, 
But it, it wasn't a team completely bereft. I actually was impressed by Brandon Miller, and I've been impressed with yeah. him pretty much every time he's played. Um, the abuser, you know, obviously can still get to the rim and stuff. So, um, Precious did a really, really good job on Miles Bridges last night. I know he ended up ten of twenty from the field, but like, I, I thought he really had to work from that for work for his twenty-one points. I mean, twenty-one points and twenty shots is not exactly anything spectacular. Um, but I, I thought Precious did a really, really nice job on him. Yeah, so I mean, it, they did what they're supposed to against a bad team, um, and they only really needed one explosive quarter to do that. Um, Brunson, I think he has to be in the conversation as a top 10 player at this point, at least what he's doing this season. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to complain about the all-star. Um, I think he should have gotten in over Dame. Um, I think your mileage may vary with Mitchell versus Brunson. We're going to be biased towards Brunson, but Donovan Mitchell is having an amazing season. Let's not, um, let's not get it twisted there. But, um, but I mean, what Brunson is doing statistically, just watching the game, uh, he is a machine. He is inevitable. He's going to get to his spots. If anything, the one criticism I had of him yesterday was like, I thought he passed up on those floaters in mid-range a little bit too much. There were times when he had like the open floater and he would kick it out or he would try to pass the ball. And it's like, and I, I think it's a good thing long-term because they're probably trying to orient him to be, you know, especially once they get to the playoffs to like, you know, switch up and, and make, keep the defense guessing and, and get other guys involved. But that shot just feels so automatic once he gets below the free throw line. You almost want him to shoot it every time. Um, and, you know, even when guys are in the right place, he's constantly keeping you off balance. You know, his footwork and the touch around the rim reminds me a little bit of Jokic, to be honest. Like, just the way that, like, he's not moving that fast, but you just can't get a feel for what he's going to do, and he can hit from any angle there. Um, you had that one on Jimmy the other day where Jimmy had him dead to rights, and he just did this little scoop lefty uh, around him. Like, I, I don't know how you guard that, right? Um, I... um. And I, I think that the whole team is just playing at a really high level. The schedule's opening up. And that is what really sucks about this Randall injury because I think they were, they're really priming to go on a run here. Um, and this was a stretch I thought they could go 9-1 and one starting with, I think, that Brooklyn game. Now, like, against Utah, that's, that's going to be tough tonight, right? Um, you know, how do you think the Knicks adapt, I guess? What are kind of how – how do you see them adapting to losing Randall? And I'll say this. Randall's been awesome this year. That is not an easy piece to replace on either end. We've complained a lot about his defense, but it is something that on defense, even you can throw him at a guy like Giannis. You can throw like his body and like his ability to move can get on, on ball and with some switching, you know, especially when he puts his hands up, gives you a little bit of options that, you know, if you play precious at the four, maybe you have that. But even OG isn't quite as big as Randall. Uh, and on offense, I think it, it just having to deal with Brunson and then the fact that. There's so many times when we've played solid teams and you're just like, yeah, but who guard? They have no one they can throw at Randall. He's just too big. Like he's like he can get below the free throw line with his brute force pretty much at will. The decision making has been better this year, although obviously it's never going to be, uh, you know, the kind of thing where you want him to constantly have the ball in his hands, um, you know, facing double teams. But he's gotten better at that. And just that was it almost at times felt like a cheat code. It's just like, yeah, this guy's going to like give him the ball. And like, there is no one that can be between him and the rim. Uh, how do you see them kind of adapting to life without Randall? However long that may be. Um, I'm actually, I mean, look, I'm not going to say I, I'm happy, but I'm not happy with the injury. Obviously, like the way they were playing, the way he was playing. Um, I will say this. I mentioned this on the rundown last night and I was thinking about it when I was watching the game on Saturday, but um, watching that game on Saturday, that was like the most 
in on Randall, uh, I have been in a long, maybe ever. Um, like, I, I just thought that he, the way I, I was talking to my friend about it, but like, I thought last year they thought they were better than Miami. I think if you, you know, gave him truth serum, they'd be like, yeah, we really, we should have won. We think we should have, like, we should have won that series. We had better talent. We should have done it. I think this year they know they're better than Miami. And I think that's a big difference. I think they go into these games um, against these top teams, especially since they got OG. And I feel like they're playing with a kind of, I don't want to say a little bit of a swagger maybe, but like they are confident. I don't think that they view themselves any longer as like, we're punching up. We're trying to prove like, I think they believe. They're not the scrappy underdog, right? This is, yeah. I think the, throughout the Tibbs era, it's like, man, they're not, they don't have star power yet, but they're just, no one wants to play them. They're a pain in the ass to play. And they've evolved beyond that where they're like, actually like, no, 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 this is like just a great team period. You know? Yeah. They're, they're, they're a pain in the ass to play because they're actually just really good. Um, and they're strong and they're big. And like, that's the, that's the only thing that stood out to me in that Miami game is like, and, and again, you talk about like, the guys they've targeted um, like they've targeted all these guys that are, you know, in, into their primes and are like athletic and strong. And like, they like this team, I mean, you watch, go back and watch that Miami game. I, I've never felt this way watching a Knicks team play against Miami, you know, even going back to like the nineties, like, yeah, I mean, look, you, you'd watch those games. You'd be like, well, obviously they're not getting pushed around, but I don't think you watch those games and we're like, man, they're pushing Miami around. Like, they were fucking pushing Miami around in that game. They were just physically dominant. Um, you know, you look at some of those drives, like even Grimes, right? Grimes has not been the best driver in the world, but he saw like, oh, I have Tyler Hero on me. Oh, I have Duncan Robinson on me or whatever. And he just would drive at them directly right through their chest. You saw Josh Hart do that a couple of times. You saw OG Ananobi do that a few times. Obviously, Randall, like they were just stronger than them and, and they were more athletic and they felt you could feel it. You could see it. It was, it was visible. Like any, and, and it was like, look, Miami, the Knicks didn't even play a clean game, right? They, they got outscored in transition. I think they, at, at the start of the fourth quarter, it was like 25 to two, the points and points in transition. Like they had they, a lot of turnovers. Yeah. They had a lot of turnovers. Like they, they didn't play a clean game. And as soon as they kind of like, they locked in for what stretches, like they basically locked in, the second start. quarter and the yeah. first and fourth quarter. And then yeah, they the first and third were disasters, particularly Miami. Yeah. So. And, and, and that's all it took. And they just blew the fucking brakes off Miami. And I know, look, I know Miami's not in a good run right now. They're now, they lost again yesterday. So I think that, I think that's their seventh loss in a row now. Um, so obviously they're not playing great ball right now, but I mean, that's what you do, right? When teams that aren't playing great ball show up, you put the fucking hammer down and, and let them have it. And the Knicks did that. Um, I I can't say I I was just really really impressed by that and I very specifically was impressed by Randall who didn't get off to a good start in that game and we've seen those things especially against a team like Miami a guy like Bam that they can spiral for him and and it didn't like he he took like he did not force the action I thought actually his shot shot, shot selection improved as the game went on um, he and he took, missed a couple of bunnies really his yeah. line didn't even look that good he missed a couple of shots he doesn't miss at all. Yeah. Um, I think on that note, like his mental toughness and this whole teams, right. On kind of the same note that you were talking about, like what I I've mentioned this a bunch of times. I I don't know if he's gotten a tech all season Randall, um, which is a massive change. Right. Um, 
I have you see it maybe once a game now, but I it, the the instances where he forces a shot and doesn't get back on defense, that has gone down. And I will say this: I was complaining a lot during that game about the officiating. I thought, especially during the end of the third quarter, Jimmy was just getting every call. Miami was getting away with it, and I think that's where you can see also the shift in mentality, the swagger. Right? You don't see the Knicks complaining. They used to complain a lot. Um, you know, Hart, Rand- Randall obviously was the most visible. Tibbs would, I mean, Tibbs still is going to do what coaches do and complain about calls and, and try to, to work that. But um, I think that part of the reason why they're complaining less is there is just a confidence, right? It doesn't feel to them when they play in these big games like we need everything to go our way and just harping on those calls. They're just like, no, we're still going to win. Like we can still win. We're, we're here. We're the better team. And, um, and I mean, it's not just Miami. They did it. Look what they did to Denver. <laughs> they, they eviscerated Denver um, without Hardenstein. Um, again, Precious was awesome that day. Um, you know, I don't know how the eye injury might have affected Jokic. I, I mentioned this before, but if you look at the last two times they played the Nuggets, they've won. But Jokic has had six turnovers each time. He's had, he's had his like 30 and 10 or whatever. He gets his assist rebounds, you know, pushes up near triple, triple double, but he, they force him to turnovers. They take away the easy reads. And um, and as, as much as Jokic is capable of beating you by himself, you prefer that than when he's able to really throw the ball around. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of on your point, it was like they just seem a lot mentally tougher. It starts with Randall, but just there's a lot less complaining and a lot less of that officiating. And I think that comes from just their increased confidence. Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really have much more to say. I just think that they're like, they're in a good space as a team, um, and I think, again, like, uh, look, this was referenced when when they made the trade uh, for OG. Some of the reasoning was, and I think Katz had this in his piece, one of his pieces after the trade, about how guys were not happy about minutes, uh, guys were not happy about their roles, and I didn't like he never, he didn't mention any specific names, and I don't think it was just quickly or RJ. Like I, I do think like, yeah, maybe Grimes, but I also think guys like DiVincenzo guys like Josh Hart, um, like Josh Hart. I mean, if you remember, there was that report, right. That he, I think cats actually, I had this too, uh, earlier in the season, he mentioned that like, yeah, Josh Hart would play the four, but he wasn't super thrilled about it. And I do think that like, yeah, asking him to do that for a full season probably would have been too much especially because Tibbs doesn't trust, he didn't trust RJ to do things at the four that like you kind of need if you're going to, if you're going to try that lookout, you know, play a little smaller and um, he didn't trust him to do it. And I think he was right to not trust him uh, as far, you know, to go back to your initial question about how they weather the storm. The part that I am in, very interested in, in or interested in, is and like i don't i mean this this seems this is really stupid because it shouldn't take you this long to realize it but like again going back to that miami game just watching it i'm like I'm like this this is like what you mean this is what we mean when we're talking about like to get like a sm- like a small four like a small ball for us because he's not really a small ball for right Pre- or not precious um og's not like a small ball for he's a pretty big guy but like the way he plays, his aesthetic as a player, like how he plays offensively, the things he's capable of defensively, that's what's required of making lineups like that work. And and, and 
what the kind of the point I was trying to make with when I brought up Josh Hart and, and RJ Barrett is like neither of the guys play that way. They're not capable of that. So like what is interesting to me is okay, Julius Randle obviously has gravity of his own in a very special way, and it, it's very different from the type of like you know what we're what many are conditioned to think of, and what I think we have also been kind of like wanting to see. Is like, okay, but like, what does it look like when you have more of a spacing for more of a guy that's comfortable spotting up outside from the arc and opening up the paint for, for Brunson. And I am interested to see how that looks over a longer sample with, o, with OG at the four um, offensively anyway. And, you know, actually, I, look, I, I don't know. I, I don't think precious is a legit shooter. I don't, I don't, I'm not expecting that. Um, but like seeing him yesterday, I know like yeah, it's it's the Hornets. But you mentioned it like you know Miles Bridges, um, whatever else he is, he is a he is a dynamic player, and he's definitely an athletic player, a guy who's given the Knicks problems before. Um, and like watching Precious the way he defended him yesterday, I'm like, okay, I'm a little bit more optimistic. I mean, not that I was like pessimistic about it anyway, but I'm a little bit more optimistic about like, okay, I think the Knicks are probably okay. Like they probably like if OG is relatively healthy and everybody else stays relatively healthy. Like I think they'll be fine managing the rest of the regular season until when, whenever Julius gets back, hopefully obviously that is this season. And hopefully that is well before the playoffs so that he can play himself kind of back into the uh, swing of things. But like, I, I think they have enough. I think they're fine in that on that front. Just go get another guard and I'm ready to roll with this team. Yeah. It's um. I mean, I did feel like, when you had the Precious and Sims lineups, things were clunky. Like For they sure. were trapping Brunson, and he would find an open guy in the corner. Oh no, it's Sims, right? So but, but isn't that isn't that like that's kind of why you need to get another creator? Is like I, I think what you what you would lean into is I think Sims minutes would have to go, but like you lean into more small ball, like more mobile lineups. Uh, like you know, Precious can play the four in specific moments, but I think largely the four, the four minutes would need to come from, from OG um, and, and heart, but like, yeah, you can still mix in some precious of the four and next to Hartenstein or something, but like you get another guard, take Sims minutes out. And like, I think that's kind of the way to go. I I do think that that team still would be dangerous. um, And I I think they'd pretty comfortably finish top six in the East, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, I think what's really disappointing is the just the way the schedule opens up. I and mean, Cleveland is on a heater right now, and they do have an easy schedule. So maybe maintaining an advantage over them would be tough. But the way Milwaukee's looked, the what they did to Philadelphia, um, I I thought the two seed was in play. To be honest with you, um, now less so. Right? I think they should still finish top six. Um, they can still finish in that four or five. I, I wanted to avoid the four or five. Um, I would almost rather be a six seed at this point than a four or five because I I, I do think Boston is just the the worst matchup for us. Um, and um, I, I would love to see how we look against Milwaukee because they they beat them on Christmas, but um, it was the same kind of script. The the Knicks shot better and they were more physical for sure. I don't want to take away, but clearly they they were going to give up a lot of threes no matter what to that team. I think with OG, I'm interested to see if that's still the case because if it isn't, um, that changes things a lot. Um, I, I do want to add, like against Miami, it was clear how much better prepared they are against the zone this year. Um, just whatever defense they're throwing at them, there's there's never been like you know it used to be they can't figure out a zone or 
they trap Brunson or they trap quickly and the Hornets are trapping Brunson, even with Sims and Precious over on the floor, they were finding good shots. Um, they really found something with kind of exploiting the elbow, especially with DiVincenzo and his shooting ability and his ability to, once Miami adjusted to attack that. Um, so I, I think they're, they're much more balanced and versatile team that leans into it. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask is, um, so they went to an eight man rotation yesterday. Part of it was that Fournier was unavailable. Um, do you think we will see Evan Fournier minutes? No. Do you think about? I hope not. Rotation? I hope not. I mean, I again, like, I don't know. I, I'm, you know, I, I, I had, uh, you know, I, I, I participated in the in the peace pipe during the Miami game, so I was watching in a very special place mentally, um, and like. I don't know, man. Like watching that game, I'm just like, no. Like every player acquisition that the Knicks get, everybody that plays minutes for this team, everything should be focused on what is this team. And this team is a bunch of fucking strong ass dudes. Like everybody on this team is just fucking Jack now. Like literally. Like I, we were like again, we were talking about it after the game. But it was like, okay, Brunson is strong for a point guard. Dante is at least what he's average strength for a shooting guard. I would say Grimes is the average strength, if not stronger. Uh, for a shooting guard, Josh Hart, obviously stronger than your average two or three. OG Ananobi, fucking beast. Randall, enough said. Hartenstein, Mitchell Robinson when he's back. Even a guy like Precious. I mean, you see the way he muscled up at the four. It's very, very impressive. Uh, Deuce McBride, he's like, you know, he's not many things that Emmanuel quickly is, uh, but he's definitely stronger than Emmanuel quickly. He's a fucking, he's a dog too. And you just look up and down this rotation and this roster and you're just like, holy shit, everyone's team is just fucking ripped. And like, I don't know, for me, it was a kind of like a moment of clarity. I was like, all right, I see the vision. I I am, I'm like Tibbs pilled now. I was like, all right, I get it. I I was like, Tony, I was like, I get it. I get it. Uh, and I didn't do peyote, but uh, I did have a, a, sim- a similar awakening, but like, I was just watching. So I'm like, Iowa dude, just. Was it? <laughs> I no, I, I nah. me, Aaron Rodgers, and uh, Jordan Poyer. You weren't um, yourself, right? <laughs> no, but like, I don't know, man. I'm. I was watching that game, and I was like, you know what? Just fucking get me Malcolm Brogdon because he fits in exactly with like we need somebody that can give us dribble penetration. He is fucking jacked. Like, just just get us that, and let's let's keep it rolling. Like, I I, I don't think I need to like. I saw, I saw the vision. All right, I saw the vision on Saturday. I saw the vision again yesterday. Like, just keep getting these fucking in prime or somewhere in their prime or close to prime, jacked fucking dudes, and uh, we will, we will go from there. Because um, what the Knicks have right now is going, uh, and and I think it's important to to have players that fit into what you are, how you identify. And like, you know, look, like I love Alec Burks, but I don't want Alec Burks on this team. I don't want his fucking 34-year-old ass. Like, dude, the guy's a good shooter. The Knicks are already a good shooting team. They don't need more shooting. They need people that can get into the paint and create inside. Um, like Boyan Bogdanovich, a hell of a player. I don't really think the Knicks need what he brings to the table there. I think that they need dribble penetration. And obviously, like, again, I just think Brogdon makes sense at that level. And I think he makes sense in terms of like what this team is. Like, what is this team? They're physical physical team that is going to beat you up and you're going to feel it after playing them for 48 minutes. Like you're going to go into that locker room. And you're like, God damn, I don't want to play that team again. Um, so 
Yeah, I don't know. Like I, do, do you think that applies to Bruce Brown as well? To a lesser yeah, he's degree, a pretty physical guy, right? Yeah, to a lesser degree. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, give me, give me, just give me one of these guys. Like, just get, just keep getting good players. That's it. Like, I don't think this needs to be like, we don't need to think too deep about this, especially with Randall out. I almost feel like because Randall is out, you have more latitude with like chasing guys that are that have some imperfections, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, he, I, I'm just. All I'm saying is that uh, I have seen the light. I am now Tom Thibodeau's number one supporter, and I am all for never playing small. No, I still think they have option. They should play small at times. Whatever. What they don't really have that option, right? I mean, I guess they are being forced into that option a little bit right now uh, with Randall out. I do think it's something they should explore more when Randall is back. Um, I will say you kind of see how this team is rolling. Precious for all his flaws, Sims for all their flaws. Um, they're more mobile. They're more skilled than Mitchell Robinson with the ball in their hands. Uh, I'm not sure how much that matters, but I do think it's interesting to just see what this team looks like with some baseline level of just like the ability to get the ball, dribble into a dribble handoff, and then move like. It is interesting to see how they look. They look more mobile. They look more active in 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 certain ways. Obviously, I'm not. You know, Mitch is not inactive, and he's a great defensive player. Obviously, I do think the more you see this team without Mitchell Robinson, though, um, it is interesting. I, like I, I love the guy, and I, I'm like the captain of, you know, give me like respect our guys. We need to have players we drafted and developed and it, there needs to be a connection to the team and blah, blah, blah. But like the Knicks are in a contention window right now. Like they're a legit threat. They are a threat. If Randall's healthy, this team is a contender. I've seen enough to say that. Like, I don't think there's a team outside of Boston in the East that I think is in a different class to us. Like, and, I, and even though I think Boston is in a different class, there are things about them very specifically that, I still expect to be problematic for them in the playoffs that I think the Knicks could exploit and other teams can exploit. But like, aside from them, I, I, I don't, I'm not that worried about playing Philly. I'm not like, not worried. And this isn't to say like we should just a cakewalk, but I, I don't like, you know, we they have, a, this, they have their 50, 50 in a lot of those series, I think. Yeah. Like, I, like if you, and I look, I get like, if you want to say, you know, well, those teams have the best player. Okay, fine. I would say we probably have the second best player in all those series. I would say we arguably have, if not the third, we probably have the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh best players in those series. Like, I get it. Playoffs are determined by your top guys in a lot of uh, cases. But as we saw in the Cavs series last year, and I think you can also argue what we saw in the Miami series, the guys, your depth guys matter. Like, they have to play well. And if they don't, you're going to struggle. So the Knicks are in a really good spot. And honestly, like, I got to say, the, the last part of this you know, of my uh, spiritual journey on Saturday watching this game. Um, I, I think our depth got better after the trade somehow. Like now that Tibbs has like figured out rotations and stuff, I'm just, I was like watching that. And I'm like, wait, is our depth better now? Does it like make more sense? Because I, and, and I still like, again, I, a lot of this is contingent on like get another ball handler, but if they do, like, let's say they just get Brogdon, right. For let's say it costs a first and, whoever the fuck, and they get Brogdon. So let's just say a first and Fournier or two first, whatever. It doesn't matter. Let's just say it's Fournier is the guy that's going out and you get Brogdon. 
isn't that team deeper now? And doesn't it have more tactical versatility? Like a guy like Precious gives you an option that you just didn't really have um, in terms of like his mobility, his size, all that stuff. Like, I mean, we saw him play with Randall quite a bit, obviously over this stretch, whatever their weaknesses were. Did you watch their minutes together and feel like, man, they're giving up a lot of size here. Like, cause I, I, and, and his, obviously he's not like a true stretch five or something, but there is a little bit more space, right. With precious on the floor at the five next to Randall. Um, it's interesting. Like it's, it's not obviously it's not like we have Porzingis there, but it is in, just, just interesting to see this team, the options they have now after the trade. And then like when you project forward to like when, if, and when they get another piece, like, I don't know, this team's really deep and they have a lot of options. It's, this is the best team they're going to assemble. I think probably in terms of depth, this is probably going to be the strongest team they assemble in this era, so to speak. I just anticipate eventually another consolidation trade. But, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, I think I'm actually higher on Alec Burks adding him um, than you are. Um, I think he can, um, you know, he, he doesn't finish well at all, uh, but he can get to the line. He's a 32 free throw rate. Um, you know, he can, I think he can do a better job running those bench lineups than Deuce has been. Um, and, and obviously really good shooter. Um, you know, so obviously can play next to, to Brunson. He gives you some size. Um, he's not known as the most physical guy, but he's actually a pretty solid defender when he was in New York. Um, I would imagine it hasn't looked as good as in Detroit. The worry with Burks, I think is that, um, he's not been a paragon of health. Um, he played 81 games in that season where he played point guard. Uh, for Tibbs, but the year before that, it was only 49. Uh, that was the, the COVID season, so it was shortened, but still 49 out of uh, 70 games or 72 games, not great. Last year, I can't believe this game. guy got fucking 81 games out of Alec Burks. <laughs> Ridiculous. And like 30, and he was playing like 35, 36. It's crazy. No, it was crazy. Like there was like, there was that game in LA that year against the Lakers where he played like the last 27 minutes of the game or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tibbs going to Tibbs. But I, I wouldn't, you know, if the price is cheap, I wouldn't mind going after Alec Burks. I think I'd prefer Brogdon like you because he does give you a little bit more interior game, probably a little bit sturdier as a defender. Um, I mean, you can even see it last night. Like the Knicks are like, especially with Randall out. And honestly, since this, since the trade, they are more dependent on the three ball offensively. I do think they also have better spacing. So that is, it's like chicken or egg type of thing. But they are like a more three point, focused group i don't know i actually have to check this but i would assume they have not been getting to the line as much as they were prior to the trade as a team um so well, like they lost a big free throw rate guy right. in rj and replaced him and with, quick yeah and and so like you replace them with og who is really good obviously and been fucking awesome but like is not that free throw guy so um getting a guy like brogdon gives you like to your point like it diversifies what you your scoring is right and and i think the knicks need that even when randall is healthy right there are times where you're like man it would be really nice to have like a third guy that we could just throw the ball to here and 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 let him cook um as ball don't stop would would yeah and, and i mean and i think burke you think brogdon would get the ball don't stop stamp <laughs> no <laughs> um he's i mean he is kind of a boring player right <laughs> there isn't a whole lot of swag you to his game um I mean, I, I will say that um, I think Burks does give you that. He's not a good finisher, but like I said, he gets the line a lot. He obviously he's a real hooper too. 
But Burks, 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 gets Burks, like, is, Burks is peak. Well, he's 73% ball don't stop, right? Like that is like the most true statement I've ever read. Like <laughs> Alec Burks is like a superstar who's stopped loading at 73%, which is both a compliment and, you know, obviously a little bit of a pejorative. I saw, I saw a really good one last week where somebody was like, Alec Burks is like a really good role player, but it's like 50% of his games are him playing like a star. And then 50% of his games are him playing like absolute dog shit. So the aggregate is like a really good role player, but it's ridiculous how he gets there. And yeah, I was like, I, yeah, that, that makes sense. Correct. And he's, he's a, he's a very good jump shooter. So that's, that's going to be more, and he relies heavily on pull-ups. So there's going to be variance there. Well, he can't jump anymore. Like he used to be a high flyer. Now he can't jump. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, credit to him for reinventing yeah. his game, right? So no, his his trajectory is pretty awesome, man. His like the fact that he's carved out this long of a career is pretty impressive. Um, so so those are definitely options. I think I would rank them Brogdon. I would prefer Burks to Bruce Brown. Um, honestly, even though I think Brown is a better player, I do think like that adding that pull up shooting. He's got the size. I would not mind Alec Burks, and he's probably going to be cheap. Um, what, whereas like, it seems like Brown, the price would cost Grimes. Um, we'll see if they come down off that. Um, another guy who is big and physical, um, PJ Washington plays in Atlanta <laughs> and the price seems to be going down by the day for DeJounte Murray with no. Randall out. What you said was some no. of these fits are better, no. you, but, but Murray not today, is- not today, Satan. <laughs> so no no so you're still unmoved like, by a murder. Like, like, I, I think you have more latitude, right? But ultimately you still I'm assuming they still view Randall one, I'm I'm assuming, I'm hoping, praying that he's back this season. But two, that he's going to be here obviously beyond this season. Like he's part of their plans moving forward. So anybody you get still has to not just fit next to Brunson, but also make sense next to Julius Randall. And more importantly, make sense alongside both of them as a lesser scoring option. John Murray still makes no sense to me in that context. Like, I'm sorry. I just don't see it. And I don't want to deal with his bullshit. I don't, I really don't. I don't want to deal with his dad going on Twitter or whatever after a game. I don't want to deal with fucking DeJounte Murray, apparently responding to somebody within one second on a DM uh, and throwing his entire team under the bus. Like, I don't want to deal with that shit. Like this team on top of their identity is kind of like tough, physical, whatever. It's kind of a group that you're like very low maintenance. Like e- even before the trade, like you look at this the groups that they've assembled each year. Our most like our biggest controversies have been like Austin Rivers getting dumped from the rotation, and Cam Reddish getting dumped from the rotation, and Kemba getting dumped from the rotation. Like th- those are our big. But yeah, yeah, but like these these are our big like huge crises moments, like. I don't know, man. I, I or like Mitch going on Snapchat after a game and complaining about touches, like. But it's like Mitch, so you know it's stupid. Like you're just like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, you, like get it out, get it out, get it all out. Like our big, our mo- our biggest thing this year, right? Our our most like the most controversy that we've kind of dealt with this year publicly with players is uh, Hart and Grimes at various points publicly stating like their frustration with the role in the offense. Compare that to like. I don't know, Atlanta, obviously, but compare that to a lot of teams around the league. Compare that to, like, the Lakers. I think the Lakers, you get, like, fucking 15 stories a week where you're just like, oh, shit, what's going on there? Um, For a big market team that gets the attention the Knicks do, like, they've done a good job of bringing in guys that are, like, 
low maintenance, you know, like, oh my God, jo- like Josh Hart just said he like likes drinking breast milk on Twitter. That's like our huge thing. Like, you know, it's, it's not, not real controversy. So I think steering away from that and continuing to steer away from that is good unless the talent is so overwhelming that it's worth the risk. And I'm sorry, like uh, DeJounte Murray to me is just not going to ever be worth the risk. Yeah, no, it makes, um, makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, I would have to agree. Um, Let's go. Todd is back. 10 day contract. Is he really? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. He won't play. Um, no, the vibes got to be impeccable. Um, yeah. I actually do think like as Precious continues to grow, I'm sure it would help to have a guy like Todd who can continue to. That's a good point. I mean, he it, Todd is kind of like the the model, or not the model, but like he is for role player four or five guys. Like he's kind of like the model, right? Like he's like the guy that made that, like did that under Tibbs. Um, and I think there's value. Yeah, you're right. I think there's value for a guy like Precious who profiles physically like they're pretty similar. Right, they're not like the biggest dudes, but they're both pretty athletic. Um, makes sense. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, welcome back, Taj. Um, I I think that um, you know I, I do want to talk a little bit about um, you know so so I mean I, I think we probably our rankings are probably the same, right? Brunson or sorry, Brogdon, um, Burks, and then Bruce Brown, right? Maybe you prefer Brown to Burks. I prefer Brown and Brooks, yes. Okay. Um, is there anyone else? I mean, you know, people have talked about kind of the godfather package for Mikhail Bridges. Um, personally, if they did that, I would like, I think the, the trade Bobby Marks suggested had two unprotecteds and then one lightly protected and then two of the, the protected ticks, Nick, picks Nick's own from other teams uh, and Grimes, right? Um I don't know if I would do that for Bridges. I would, I might think about that for someone like Larry Markinen. Do you think there's any chance that that kind of a trade gets made? Uh, what would the parameters be? Let's say that like a big trade where you're trading two, three firsts um, no, and grind. No. no, I don't think that'll happen this deadline. Um, I mean, are, is there still interest for you with Lowry, even now that they have um, OG? Or um, would I like Lowry? Is that basically the question? Yeah, I mean, is there still interest there? Yeah, is there that's something you might be interested in? <laughs> I got a fifteen-inch cock. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm I'm like always kind of in on Kyle Lowry. I'm like kinda, I I I like him. I just think that like he's an annoying person to play against, and he does annoying things that I think has he even been that bad this year. He's not. He can't. The problem is Miami needed him to play like thirty minutes a night, and he can't do that shit. Like he can't do that shit anymore. I I still think that if you bring him in and he's like, and you're like, look, you're gonna play fucking eighteen minutes a night. That's what you're doing. Okay, this is your role. I, you have to make that clear before you bring him in. Like we're not. This is like the, this is the no fucking around crew, right? Like we're fucking. This is what we're doing. You have to be okay with being the backup point guard. You might get some minutes with Brunson. You're not going to get a lot. You're you're the backup point guard. Those are your minutes. If you make that clear to him and he's fine with that, 
I'm fine bringing him in. I'm happy to bring him in then. Because I still think that, like, if you manage his minutes, look, we saw this in the playoffs last year. How annoying was it last year where you're like, you're like, oh, so Kyle Lowry's good again. Like, great. Like, I did not anticipate this before our playoff series. Um, and he still has all those kind of like annoying, crafty, Marcus Smart type of tricks of the trade defensively. Um, I like his toughness. Obviously, I love that he's from, he went to Villanova. I mean, I don't really give a shit about that, but like, I do think that's like a cool thing. He's kind of like the, the the original the og uh as you will we also have like this the you know he has the raptors connection going with og and precious so that that's cool um yeah i'd be fine i'd be fine with larry in a buyout sure do you think there's any chance they go after a guy like gordon hayward on the buyout market yes would you be into that uh Probably a little less so. I just think he's so unreliable with injury. Um, that w- that worries me a little bit. Because he gives you some size. Obviously, a Tibbs favorite. Um, can really shoot the ball. Gives you some secondary creation. Um, I also think it'd be interesting because if they do add another piece, I would like them to keep giving Deuce minutes. I just don't really love him on ball. But the way he's shooting the ball and the defense he provides, um, and even what he's shown in terms of being able to drive and finish a little bit, um, I'd like to maintain him. So I think like like if they get a guy like Burks or Hayward, it probably gives you more um, more ability to keep playing Deuce in like that off off ball role. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that. I agree. Lowry is like a as a flyer, but I mean, you would say Lowry in addition to Brogdon, or do you think that if they can't make a deal, I would like Lowry if they don't do a deal. But your preference, I would imagine, is still to just do a deal for Brogdon, right? Yes, that, that'd be my strong preference. Because I still think, ultimately, like, you actually want some... Like, I would like somebody who has a little bit more to their game than just, like, I can play 15 minutes when Brunson sits. Brogdon obviously can do more. Um, I thought he's. I think he's just played really solid ball for Portland when I've watched them anyway. Um, which, admittedly, is not like I'm, like I'm not exactly crunching uh, Blazers tape nonstop. But uh, he's just looked competent. And he's competent at the stuff that we um, care about him being competent in. We know he can shoot the ball. He's shooting 42% from three. He's a career 39% three guy. Like, so even if he drops off, he's going to drop off to what? Still being pretty fucking damn good. Um, We've seen him perform in the playoffs, right? He had a good series with Indiana, even though they got swept. He had a good series. When he was with Milwaukee, when they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, I thought he was really good in that series. Yeah, so um, so that's another thing, right? It's, it's you don't have those kind of concerns that you might with a player like, um, um, you know, like. Uh, well, actually, all three of these guys are right? Burks. Burks was fine in the playoffs, I thought, um, and obviously Bruce Brown was really good in the playoffs since we got him paid. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, um, and Brogdon has shown the ability to scale up and down as the situation needs it. I think the other, the only concern for me is kind of the health stuff. Um, but you know, he gives you that big physical guard who can get to the rim, but also defend and shoot. So it just checks a lot of boxes, not the world's greatest passer, but, uh, you know, it doesn't turn the ball over. I think it would fit pretty well with the team's identity. Um, going forward. So they have Utah tonight. Um, are you, you know, are you worried about that game? Um, sure. Yeah. I am a little worried about that game, but 
one, uh, I have a, a soccer game during that, so I'll not be watching it live. So there's that. Uh, two, like, look, if they lose a game, fine. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to fucking lose my mind because they lost a game after, what are they, 13 and 2 now since the precious or since the. So I'm calling it the precious trade now since the, tr- <laughs> the, the precious Achua trade. Um, the 13 and 2 since that trade, if they lose a game to Utah in the second out of back to back, let's say that Rand- Randall is out and let's say that. Let's say OG's out too. Like, are you going to be upset about that? I'm not. I'll be like, okay, it happens sometimes. No big deal. Um, I think getting the Charlotte win was more important, right? Because it's like the front end of the back-to-back. It's a team that you probably are banking pretty hard on. Where well, the schedule even drops at the start of the season, right? Those are that's a game where you're like, okay, got to win that one. Utah, maybe you feel that way too. They've been pretty bad lately. They got absolutely fucking destroyed yesterday by the Nets. Like, yeah, completely embarrassed. 147-114. But, like, they have talent. They can score the ball. They play a brand of basketball that I think is tough. I wonder if they're going through some internal stuff right now, too, with all their guys kind of being listed in trade talks. Um, Maybe that's creating a little weird dynamic before this trade deadline. But, like, yeah, I mean, I I think – I don't know. Like, am I worried about it? Sure, I'm worried about it because I think we might be shorthanded again. I mean, we're going to be shorthanded no matter what, right, with Randall out. And Mitchell Robinson out. Let's not forget that. And heart and shine on a minutes limit. So, like, yeah, we are shorthanded, but um, I think they, they can definitely still win this game. And I think if OG plays, they will win this game. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it is that their team. Utah has been playing well until, I mean, yesterday, obviously, they had a disaster. It's a second night of a back to back for both teams. But there's this bullshit. They're traveling from Brooklyn to Manhattan. Give me a break. Yeah, but it's still second that came up back to back, right? So um, yeah, but it's different when you actually have got to like fly, and that, that's that's different. <laughs> um, they got so they got walloped. I just I've always felt like they're the kind of team like when it goes bad against them, the Knicks just get blown out because they're always spaced the floor well. They have a lot of shooters. Um, Markinen's always a matchup problem. Although I'm excited to see, I, I would imagine they put Precious or said OG on him, maybe a little bit of Precious too. It just feels like it feels like honestly. I could see it being a blowout either way, like more than a close game. Like I, the Knicks could come out and just lock them up and get out in transition. Um, but you know, they have some, they have some tough players that are going to cause some matchup issues. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like, I mean, I just, um, it really sucks though losing Randall uh, just because of, of how much this schedule is opening up. Um, so it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I do worry a little bit about, I guess Brunson on on Sexton. It feels like Clarkson usually plays well against us. We'll see. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty. I think this will be a fun game. Um, I will. I mean, look, the, the the thing is too. Like, I I know they only played Charlotte yesterday, but they held them under a hundred. Like, they keep holding teams under a hundred, and. One interest, like another reason, I'm not too worried about. Randall being out right now uh, for a long part of the regular season. I think their defense is going to be like, I, I think it'll probably hit another level somehow without Randall. Um, like they don't have, I mean, the weakest defender is basically just Brunson at this point in the rotation. And even yeah. him, like he has this knack, right. Of drawing fouls. Like basically he's basically turning the team over at least once or twice every game that has real value. It's basically getting a stop. Right. Um, and I don't know, like I, I look now when you, when you watch this team and like, look, those bench minutes are rough, 
but also in those bench minutes, you're like, yeah, you're, they're not, they're not going to score, but also like the other team might not score either. So we're okay. And when you have OG, like when if OG's healthy again, like he just takes everything to such a different level on that end. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm just curious to see how this team plays out because I think like what like obviously this isn't intentional, but because of the injuries, it feels like Tibbs is actually going to have to lean into some interesting lineup combinations that if nothing else um, come playoff time, those are things that he will have actual information on and can make educated guesses on, which maybe he wouldn't have developed if, um, if he didn't have the injuries that we're having at the moment. Yeah. I think it could be like a little bit like a vaccine, right? Um, Not to scare Aaron Rodgers if he happens to listen to this podcast, but um, it could be something where this is obviously short-term adversity. I think you bring up a good point that the defense might even be better. Um, yeah, even like I know their defensive rating right now is like godly. I do think they've benefited a little bit from some poor shooting at times, but I think the actual like how how locked in each rotation is, all that type of stuff, will be better. I do believe that. Yeah, I mean, the only concern would be if Precious is pay- playing even more minutes. You know, is that going to? Um, yeah, is that going to? That'll be tough for the opponent. Uh, but I mean, at some point, can he maintain? So far, it hasn't been an issue. Obviously, uh, can he maintain the same level of intensity, uh, playing maybe forty minutes consistently? Do you, do you think Precious has a argument to be made for most improved player? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> uh, there's someone else I think that's like a very obvious. Um, it's not. I guess Maxi would be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we should talk about Deuce. Like, I like the thing is, like, it's we're probably still a little underwhelmed because they expect him to be the backup point guard, right? But besides the fact that he's limited in his creation, he is shooting the leather off that ball right now. I don't know what he's up to right now, but it's got forty six point nine percent from three. Forty six point nine, and and it's not just open catch and shoot. He's taking contested threes. Um, he's been more aggressive getting downhill. He's always going to be a little bit limited in terms of space creation. I but- do like that he's... I, it seems like Tibbs has given him the leash now to take like one off the dribble three a game. Yeah. And then um, depending on if that goes in or it's like ugly as hell, he gets more or less. Because um, he airballed yesterday. I think he took <laughs> one. And that was the only one he took. It was like, okay. All right. Sorry. Got that out of my system. Today. <laughs> um. But it's, I mean, everyone's playing at a high level, right? So um, I do, but I do, you, you have a little bit less matchup flexibility. I, I am curious to see if they're really just going to unleash um, OG more now. Um, but I, I think they're probably, what's interesting is even without Randall, they haven't really decreased their pace, right? Um, they're still trying to get out in transition. Um, and, um, you know, they, 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 you know, they're still passing the ball, moving. So they haven't really, you know, you think maybe in some games without Randall, they would say, all right, buckle down, make this a, a dogfight, right? Because we just need to, we, we can't, we don't want to play too fast and allow the other team to get into transition. Um, so they, they haven't yet gone to that. And the feeling might be that you're, you're going to need some transition just to get any offense. And we'll see how that balance plays out. Um I, I will say this. I am curious to see if, like, Malachi Flynn to me does seem like the kind of guy who should be situational, as in there are some situations. Um, as, you know, we've seen that DiVincenzo, Deuce, Hart, like that combination can 
generate offense, right? Or DiVincenzo, Grimes, and Hart, right? They they give you enough traits in ball handling and the ability to lock up and get into transition where maybe that mitigates. But I'm sure there are games where they cannot get into transition as much and the offense does bog down. Um, and for all his limitations, Malachi Flynn is probably, after Brunson, the best guard at creating his own shot. Uh, he can get to the rim. The most natural point guard. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Um, Would you say he's a pure point guard? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that's a meaningless phrase now. But, um, <laughs> but like, if you want to say a pure point guard was Mark Jackson, and Chris Paul is also a pure point guard, very different players, right? Alfred Payton. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I do think Flynn is the kind of guy. He's, he's a good depth piece. I actually, I've been more impressed, I think, than many others. Um, with Flynn, um, there are obviously there's size limitations, um, you know, and he's not like a super athlete, but um, what he does bring you is, is comfort and, and competence there. And I think there's going to be games where you might want to play him next to Deuce. Um, do you think we're going to see more Deuce next to Brunson at all? Um, maybe with Randall out? No, not, not unless OG's out. Like when OG's out, it kind of, you have to, there's just no way to make the minutes work without playing them together a little bit. But if, if OG is back, I, I don't think you'll see it much. Um, I just don't think he, I don't know that he trusts them like their size defensively. I don't know. He did it with quickly and, and deuce, but that might've been because he just knew that, Quick was so good at the off-ball stuff, and Deuce was so good at the on-ball stuff that he's like, they'll be fine. They can they can manage it defensively. Um, I think that's a little bit different with Brunson and Deuce. Um, Brunson's definitely improved defensively this season compared to last, but like, it's still not like you know a strong suit of his. You're still trying to like hide him more than you're using him to accentuate your defense. Um, so I, I don't think you'll see too much of that. I think. I will say I again to give Tibbs uh, his kudos and his his flowers. I thought it was really nice yesterday when they went zone kind of towards the end of the first half. He he went small. He put Grimes. He left Grimes in. I thought for sure he called a timeout, and I was like, all right, because I think they went up forty one thirty nine, the the Hornets. And I was like, all right, here we go. Grimes is out, and then we're gonna go back to the double big thing. And instead, he left Grimes in pulled, I forgot who it was, I think it was Sims or, or Hartenstein or whatever, and played Precious at the five. And so it was Precious, Hart, Grimes, DiVincenzo, and Brunson. And, um, yeah, I mean, the Knicks got, like, I think they got a three right after that. I mean, the, the, the spacing was just, like, so clearly improved, and um, they benefited from it. So kudos to Tibbs for, for leaning into that because that was obviously um, – I mean, look, it's it's not a great opponent. It's not the biggest, you know, most amazing tactical switch, but it is something that he doesn't always go to. And um, the fact that, you know, when you have Randall, you don't need to, but when you don't have Randall, you got to be a little bit more quick on your feet with this stuff, and he was yesterday. So, um, again, credit to him. That was that was good to see. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree. I think I, I, we've said this before. I think it's when you take away his options that he seems to – really get it forces that creativity yeah. out of him that's almost when he's at his best it's like all right fine i'll do it fine fine <laughs> i'll play small jesus uh, and then it works right um so um we'll see i mean um, gotta take away his binky from him i i am very curious to see what happens when they play the lakers because there is a lot of size on that team um i don't think we'd go small against them and not having randall i think is gonna hurt in that game is that next week or is that this weekend that's saturday yeah 
Is that is that a, is that like the primetime game Saturday? Eight thirty, yeah. Mm. Mm. Hopefully, OG's back for that. We definitely need him for that one. Yeah, um, he's he's not hurt, is he? OG. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think it should be that serious, though, right? I don't think so, but I think they're listing him day to day, so you know that can be mean anything. I would assume he's back by then. Obviously, I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, um, I, I think. Um, by the way, if the Knicks win tonight, they have a decent chance of potentially putting even more separation uh, between them and a team like Indiana. Indiana's at Boston tonight. Yeah, and then the Knicks actually get Indiana at home on Thursday. Right. Um, so, but I, I, in this stretch, I think the Lakers game is the one that concerns me most because you're going to have to guard both LeBron and AD as good as OG is. You can't guard them both at the same time. Right. I'm not sure the Knicks have anyone who can guard, um, anyone else who can guard either of those guys. Right. Maybe you can, especially if they play AD at the four. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. Um, and, um, but, but besides that, again, the schedule isn't looking that bad, right? They, they got the Jazz, a team they can and should beat, but will be tough. Pacers are always just kind of a tough team for this, the style the Knicks play in terms of giving up a lot of threes. But um, but they, with OG there, I don't know. Do you throw OG at Halliburton? Um, I don't know, actually. I don't. It's kind of weird. They haven't. They've used OG in a lot of different ways, so it's hard to know what they will do. Um, I think you might just you you probably put OG on Pascal, right? Yeah, that's I think what you do. Um, but that'll be yeah. I mean, he also has obviously the familiarity with him. Maybe that'll help in terms of defense. Um, I do worry about Halliburton against Brunson just because of size advantage. So um, maybe that's a game where you go more to Quentin Grimes, um, or you know I, maybe you trust Steven Chenzo on Halliburton. But then after the Lakers, they have the Grizzlies. Um, they have, I mean, I'm more comfortable against the Mavs, even though Kyrie kind of killed us last time. Uh, I think they they finally have the kind of guy who can who can cause problems for Luka and OG. They get the Pacers again. Um, so I mean, it's it's um, it's a mix. I, I I'm I'm very curious. You know, I, I was thinking they could really go on a roll. Now I'm thinking more like just tread water, um, at least until the All Star break. But we'll see. Yeah, um, the All-Star break cannot get here soon enough. I think this team has, I mean, they've played a lot of fucking games. If you just look at the standings, they've played 47 games. Um, that is basically the tops in the league. Not saying they're not so far ahead of other teams, but it's, I don't know if there's a team that's played more than 47 um, Yeah, the Bucks and Celtics have, and Sixers played, actually have all played 47. The Nuggets have played 48. The Nuggets have played 48. So that's the the only team in the NBA that's played more than 47 games. Yeah. Somehow the Cavs have only played 44 and their schedule gets easier, which is uh, that is a little bit unfortunate for the Knicks um, who are clinging to a lead over the, the Cavs. That's, that's, that's a division thing, right? Is that a division thing? Not really. No, they have Cleveland and they, or they have Indiana and they have Milwaukee in their division. So it can't be a division thing. What is that about? Oh, yeah, no clue. Um, just schedule quirks. Um, I guess they get Detroit. They do get Detroit four times. That's nice. They um, four times. It's also worth noting the Knicks are basically six basis points behind the Sixers. The Sixers are 29-16. The Knicks are 30-17. and 17, So they're both six games behind Boston. Uh, so the third seed is very much in reach. They're only also two games back of Milwaukee for the second seed. 
So again, like if that defense actually improves somehow even more and they can maintain enough offense without Randall, I mean, it'd be crazy, but if to see, think about them getting the two seed, but they're, they're certainly within, within that range right now. I mean, they, yeah, they, they're, I mean, look, they're, they're only two games back of Milwaukee, right? It's like two seed is there. You can get it. Uh, and it's also worth noting they've played only 21 home games. So the Knicks are going to have a lot more home games coming up too. Uh, and they've been six, they've been dominant at home. And, well, well, funny enough, they've played, so they've played 21 home games and 26 road games. Milwaukee has played 26 home games and 21 road games. Yeah. Um, so that's going to flip. Um, same thing with Nick, the Cavs. The, the Cavs have actually played more. I think every team here is besides um, the Celtics has played more um, home than away games, right? So the Knicks really have had a tough schedule. And I mean, the cards are aligning that they made it through that part. Now uh, they have the Bruns, uh, the Randall injury, but I, yeah. I wouldn't, I think it's more likely they would get a two seat at this point than fall out of the, the top six. I'd be shocked if they fall out the top six at this point. I think Miami is, I mean, Miami and Orlando are, they're not bad teams, obviously. I don't think Miami's not, they're not as bad as they've been in this stretch. I refuse to believe that until, you know, they're, they're dead and gone. Um, but Orlando still has a positive point differential slightly, plus 0.5. Miami's a negative. They're minus 1.3. Fucking hate Miami, dude. How, like, every year they have, like, the shittiest point differential, and then they just fucking find a way to, like, win an extra two or three games like with because of spose fucking devil magic um i was i would say pat riley made a deal with the devil but he might actually be al pacino in that movie so who knows (laughs) yeah he might be the devil um but like i i just think that um the Knicks profile was just better. They're just like a strong profile. They have what they have a, they have a, one of the best point differentials in the league. They have a, like the best net rating in the league since the OG trade. They've, I mean, they had a, they had a top 10 net rating even before the trade, right? This is the thing. Like they've just profiled as a good team the entire way. Whereas the heat have profiled like shit the entire way. Um, or most of the way, especially now, like again, they have a, they're minus 1.5 SRS. They have a 23rd offensive rating. Their defensive rating is only 14th. They have a 20th. They're 20th in net. Um, Orlando's better, but like the point is just that the Knicks are, for them to drop out would probably involve a collapse. Yeah, I mean, not just a collapse, but it, it probably involves like a cat, like catastrophic list of injuries. So. Yeah, well, I mean, there is one injury on the team that would be catastrophic. Um, I do not. I think if they lost Brunson for any period of time, that would. Well, this this is why you need to go get a guy like Brogdon to me. Yeah, I mean, even if they get Brogdon, though, they're not surviving a, a Brunson. Anymore. No, I mean, I think they'd survive it to like finish top six. Maybe. Um, I um, yeah, I, I think that um, it's. I mean, this is the most exciting. This team, this team would beat the twenty twelve team, right? I think this is the best team since they've had since like '97. Yeah, uh, you think they beat the finals team, the '99 2000 team? Yeah, that team was. I mean, the, the fact they got to the finals is like pretty kind miraculous. Um, but what also, like, team had Ewing. Do you think? Yeah, that's the problem. It's just like it's hard to judge that team because Ewing gets hurt, like his Achilles goes, and 
it was a weird team. Van Gundy was coached it like an imbecile at times. Like this is what people don't remember. Like love Jeff Van Gundy. He did a lot of weird shit with their rotations because he was too loyal to guys. Reminds you of somebody maybe who was um, on that bench, right? <laughs> yeah, who was on that bench, and so like it's a weird team. I do think that ninety seventeen that was the most talented version though. That was like LJ was still a good player then. He hadn't had the injuries that he would go on to suffer later on in his time in New York, um, Houston, like they had Ewing was still in his prime. Like that team was loaded. That team probably has it. That's one of the only two teams they had that had a genuine chance of beating the, the, the Jordan bulls. Uh, the other one being the, uh, the Charles Smith, uh, 93 Knicks, but, um, 97 is like the last one. And then, yeah, I mean, since then, I, I don't know. I, I, I think this team is definitely better than the 2012-13 team. Like, I, I don't even think it's that close. I said they would win in six, and Larry Israel said five. And I think, actually, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you could throw OG at Mello, and he's the kind of defender, like, if you remember Luol Deng, right, and how Tibbs used to play Mello, that always caused him problems. Um, so did I, the fact that Mello was just not, I mean, he was not a good playoff player in New York. He had some performances, but yeah, like I, I, I think that this team is balanced. Um, I, I mean, think about the point guards on that team and asking him to guard Jalen Brunson. Um, you know, it, it. I think that on the glass, if the if the um, if the Knicks, the, if the 2012 Knicks went sm- small, with which they were at their best with Melo, the Knicks not only could handle that, but especially with a healthy Randall, I think they could really pound the offensive glass. Um, and I think this team also has better depth. So it's definitely very uncharted territory. I mean, we've just been singing their praises the whole pod. I don't think we've ever had a pod <laughs> that's just yeah. this unanimously positive about the team, right? Well, I think, uh, like, I mean, just to be like, Carmelo played 21 playoff games in New York, shot 40% from the field, 29.7 from three, had a 43 EFG. Jesus. Uh, 28.7.7 rebounds, 2.3 assists to 2.8 turnovers. This guy literally put up 25 shots a game in the playoffs in his time in New York and scored 28 points. Good fucking Lord. Um, even his one, like that, that year to, if you want to just say, well, the first two, like, okay, just using the, the 2012, 13 team, the actual good team they had shot 40%, 40.6% from the field, 29.8 from three, uh, forty-three point four EFG, twenty-eight point eight points per game on twenty-five point eight shots, one point six assists to two point six turnovers. Like I didn't, I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah, that yeah, those he, are those are like Randall playoff numbers almost. I mean, obviously way higher volume and gets the free throw line better, but yeah, his uh, usage in these series in in the playoffs is crazy too. He has a thirty-six point six usage over his uh three playoff runs in New York, uh, 38 in that 2012-13 season. 2012-13 season, yeah. Um, pretty bad. 49.6 for shooting, just not great stuff from Carmelo in New York uh, in the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, look, th- to the point being is this team is just better. Like, it's just better at every spot. They're younger. They're more athletic. They're not depending on, like, Rasheed Wallace to find the fountain of youth again or something. Um so you want to play Rashid? You want to play something? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, no, this team is it's the best team since then. It's also just a better league now, right? So like the teams in general are better. Like if you look at the top six of this East versus the top six of that 2012-13 season or the top eight even, like I, this is a way better Eastern Conference. Um, quite frankly, I think the East is 
better than the, I think the top of the East is better than the top of the West. Um, the top six, anyway. Do you? Think, I mean, so we talked about Boston being maybe the only team that's outside the Knicks weight class right now. Do you think that team exists in the West? The one team I would have said the Knicks uh, yes. kicked the crap out of them without their starting center. Yeah, I mean, I still like. I think obviously the regular season, the playoffs are different. Like again, I, I'm not trying to diminish what the Knicks did because they. Look, you beat a team by beat that team by whatever the fuck they beat him. Was it 38 points or whatever the hell it was? Yeah. Um, it says something about how good you are. But like I think Denver is probably I think they're still they, they get the benefit of the doubt. But aside from that, I, I don't think Minnesota they're really good. I'm not trying to like these teams are all really good, but I'm I'm not terrified of playing like Minnesota or Oklahoma City or the Clippers. And then after that you get into like the Kings, the Suns, the Mavericks, the Pelicans, the Lakers. Like, I'm not really scared of any of those teams. Not that, and, and I don't like, aside from the Lakers, I wouldn't say any of those teams are bad. They're good, but like, I just wouldn't be that worried about them. And the Lakers are just unique in that they're probably a bad team right now, but they still have two guys who, when they're on, are top five caliber players, right? So, yeah. Um, on kind of that note, are the Warriors cooked? Yeah, I think they're done. I think they're done. That is wild um, to waste a year of Steph Curry. Um, I mean, where do you, th- I mean, is it really just the Draymond extension that killed them? Like, I don't know, but I don't know where they, maybe, maybe this is just father time is undefeated, but I mean, Steph's still playing really well, but yeah, he's 94, 95th percentile uh, uh, by EPM, which funny enough um, is lower and Jalen Brunson, who's in the 97th percentile by EPM, he ranks 12th in the entire league in EPM. Uh, I tweeted this out, but I do find this really funny. Luka Doncic, he's fifth in the league in EPM, having an MVP caliber season. Jalen Brunson is 12th. Kristaps Porzingis is 13th. <laughs> Good job. All three of them. Yeah. If you could just get all three of those guys on, on a team, <laughs> you might be a contender. Uh, I do think it's really funny. They, I, I, I look. I the the Porzingis thing is a little weird because obviously he they acquired him when he's hurt. It's pretty obvious throughout his first couple of years there he was still working his way back. They didn't use him well either. I think he was unhappy that bled into some of his effort and whatever. Um, so that one's a little tricky. But the Brunson thing is just it's crazy they fumbled that. Even even if I know Brunson isn't wasn't then what he is now. Now, is some of that related to like having the opportunities, playing off of Luca and all that? Sure, but like he wasn't what he is. He wasn't then what he is now. Um, but even what he was then, like to not give him that extension that he was apparently willing to take. I mean, that would be we talked about the Dante Divincenzo one. I mean, that if, if he that's a little bit more than what Divincenzo makes now. If he was making yeah, fifty six mil for four years. That's it's the best contract in the league. They signed it. It would be like like when Steph was signed for eleven million a year because his ankles were hurt. I mean, yeah. that was really, people talk about they won with a small guy as their best player. That's the most untalked, not talked about part is that they had, he was their best player, but he was not paid like it, right? He was paid, um, he was paid less than like Iguodala. And, um, and um, you know, I think they still had David Lee making a lot of money at that time, right? So, um, yeah, it's, I, I think that uh, <laughs> the Mavs really, I mean, I don't know if it's all on Luca. Um, I think, they shouldn't have probably gotten rid of Carlisle. I don't know if you disagree with that, but I think he was the, probably the kind of coach who could have gotten Luca to change. Um, 
it, it you know, the, the play style still is what it is. Um, I do think like with KP, some of it that was on him um, where he, um, he too often, you know, I think he still, he wanted to post up, right. For example, that was a big thing where he was like, he had butted heads with Carlisle because he wanted to post up more. He wanted to create for himself. Carlisle wanted him to be more of a pick and pop guy. Um, obviously the defense was diminished just as a result of the injury. Um, and I think he, I think Porzingis did mature. And when he went to Washington realized I got traded, like I was thought of as a rising star and now I'm getting traded for Spencer Dinwiddie. Like he like really bought into kind of the, you know, the, the Lowry marketing of it all, right. Being, being re- realizing that you can be a star even if you're not creating much offense. Right. And I think, so that, I don't want to put that all on Dallas, but, um, but that's the thing, right? And Luca came in at a young age, so it's tough to just be a leader like that. But you're seeing other young guys come in and have that kind of an impact, right? Being able to a guy like Shade Gilgis Alexander has made it work playing with, with Jalen Williams, right? And accent, find a way to accentuate each other's game. Chad has fit in seamlessly, right? So um, I don't want to question Luca's leadership ability, but there are probably things that he could have adapted or you would have liked to see from him. Um, to kind of make it work, because yeah, he played. He had ultimately two all stars on his team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought forever that the way he plays suppresses talent to a large degree. Um, now, would I, I? I'd be lying to you if I said that. I thought Porzingis was going to bounce back the way he has since then. Although I didn't, I thought he pl- was playing better his last season in Dallas. It was re- like when they traded him and they just kind of dumped him. That was always really weird to me. I, I thought it was weird anyway at the time. I think um, there were there was there must have been. I think there was probably behind the scenes stuff where Porzingis may have been dissatisfied as well, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I always suspected that maybe they had an agreement with him prior to the season of like, all right, look, man, just be a good soldier and we'll get you the fuck out of here before the deadline. Um, so there's that. Uh, but the Brunson part of it, I don't know. Like, I, I'll just, I think that was always like what he showed them in that final year. Like, even if you want to say, series, right? yeah, even if you want to say, like, I get why they didn't extend him. I can understand why they didn't extend him prior. And if you want to say he was always going to leave for New York, fine. But they didn't even make him an offer that was legit, right? They offered him someone like five years, a hundred million or something, which. Who cares? Like he got a better offer from um, the Knicks in every which way. So, I mean, is it safe to say that wasn't an overpay? Because a lot of people said at the time it was an overpay. Is no, it's obviously there? no. There's no jury. If there's a jury, they can be dismissed because, um, yeah, no, no, that was certainly not an overpay, and really, it never was an overpay. Yeah, I mean, even if he had been like just an above average league guard, if he was Terry Rozier, it wouldn't be the worst overpay in the world, right? Um, it probably is something like what Terry Rozier was making. Uh, it's fun facts based on this recent stretch. It, the Knicks, based on their current record, are on pace for fifty-two wins. Um, one more, and they're in Robert Cross territory. Um, you know, that's that's that includes the part of the season before OG. Is fifty wins like? Would you be disappointed if they don't get fifty wins at this point? Because I kind of think I would be. They have what are they? They're thirty and seventeen. Yeah. So they have to go twenty and fifteen just to get to thirty wins or fifty wins. Yeah. Um. With an easier schedule, and obviously they've been at a torrid pace since the OG trade. Depending on depending on um. 
you know, depending on the injury situation, yes, I'd be disappointed if they don't get 50. Yeah, even with Randall Hurt, I think that's well within reach. So um, definitely exciting times. Yep, 100%. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, I mean, we can, we can keep singing the praises, but like I said, there there's nothing to complain about. Um, and you know, I think we're all pretty much, we know one of the moves is going to be either trade for one of those three guys we mentioned or uh, Clarkson, whatever. Pick yeah. Up. yeah, it seems like Clarkson is going to cost a lot though, right? Because of age and all that. So Probably, yeah. Um, but one of those guys, or they go for, uh, yeah, like you said, Lowry, or, or maybe I still think there's a chance they go after Hayward, but. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I get that's another thing too. It's like the only thing to complain about, heavy air quotes, by the way, is this thing that I think everybody's keenly aware of. I did find it interesting. I think Begley's mentioned this. Uh, he mentioned this yesterday that like there was some thought prior to Randall's injury that they shouldn't do anything because they just liked the group they had. But the way he phrased that makes me think because of Randall's injury, they're not going to be able to just like stay on path. So they will make a move. Be interesting to see who they ultimately make a move for. Uh, I'm not expecting. I, I'd be sh- again, like I'd be stunned if it was like Dejounte Murray. I just don't see that being the guy that they're going to be like, okay, let's do it. Let's like put all the fucking chips in here. Not all the chips. It's not going to cost you that much, but like, let's take a big gamble here. I don't know. I, I just don't see that. Yeah, and like on the Clarkson and Lowry point, it also seems like Utah is in tenth place now. Um, so I don't at this point. I I feel like I read somewhere that. Like they're not just gonna; they are gonna try to compete now because they're good enough. So, like that probably means you're gonna have to pay Utah? a bigger premium. Yeah, you'd have to pay a bigger premium, not just because of Ainge, but also just because um, it doesn't seem like they're just gonna tear it down, right? So, it's 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 just weird. I think they're open to doing anything, but to your point, like, yeah, they're open to dumping a set. Like they're probably open to trading. Colin Sexton, but it would need to make it like they, they also, I think, understand like, okay, but if we trade Colin Sexton, like we're going to be a worse team. Yeah. So you have to make it worth our while for us to be happy and content to be worse this year. And also you got to consider like Larry Markkinen is in his prime, right? Um, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. He probably doesn't have much interest in like long-term decision-making of that nature. Where he's like, oh, I get it. Like he's probably gonna be like, well, why the fuck did you just trade our point guard, who's playing really well? Like, why why did you do that? Um, that's something to consider because obviously he's not gonna have any shortage of suitors. Larry Merkin, by the way, fourteenth uh, in EPM <laughs> above Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean he's he's playing like a star. Sexton is really playing well. Um, I feel like he probably could get more minutes there. Um, do you think and Cleveland is playing awesome right now? It, it, and, and Mitchell is playing at an MVP level or right below that. I mean, he's he's right there in, in the Brunson category. But looking at how Lowry and Sexton, and again, to your earlier point, they're both also in a 25, 26, like hitting their peak range. Do you think if Cleveland could do it over, they would have just rolled the dice with a Garland, Sexton, Mobley, Lowry, Allen, kind of, <clears throat> and see where that. Do you think there's any feeling there, uh, any kind of buyer's remorse, or is it just completely useless to talk about it given how well they're playing right now? 
Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I always feel like who knows? Like, it was is Markkinen going to be what he was? And in, in like, is he is he would he have developed the same way? I don't know. Like, it's like Brunson. Like, would Brunson be what he is in New York in Dallas? He'd still be really good, but I don't think he'd be this. Like, would Markkinen be what he is in Utah in Cleveland? Probably not. Um, and look, they've got decisions to make because I I mean I think you can make the the the, the real argument to make might be like not that they did traded for Donovan Mitchell, but maybe like they should have traded high on a guy like Evan Mobley, given how well Jared Allen is playing and how dynamic their offensive fit would have been right with like marketing at the four and, and all that stuff. Like, I don't know. Those are things to consider. I don't think they would regret the trade at all. I'd be actually kind of shocked if they did regret it. Um, I, I think, I think the trade was fine. I get why they did it in hindsight. I like, I don't think they're a contender. I just don't. I'm sorry. Like, I don't buy this. I don't buy the construct of... I would think they're more of a contender if they traded Evan Mobley today. You just think he compromises the spacing too much? Yeah, I just don't see how that works in the playoffs against four opponents. You need to beat four opponents. That's going to be your spacing? Like, I don't know. I, I don't really trust that. I don't even... And he's not like a Randall type where he can just get inside and, like, bully you there and, and score and, and create offense for himself inside. So to me, it's a little bit, I don't know. I, I don't really trust it. Um, yeah. The offense hasn't come along the way you'd hope. Um, how much, I mean, Prez was mentioning this. I, for I'll, I'll say this. I am definitely much more worried about Cleveland than I felt coming into the season. Um, they found some shooters. Um, it seems like Mitchell is playing the one now. Do you think it's possible when Garland? Like, there's people like, well, you got to trade Garland. Like they look so much better with Mitchell playing point guard. Can they not have it where Mitchell plays on ball and Garland plays more off ball? Because Garland is a very capable off ball player. Well, they probably have to trade him because uh, you can't win with uh, two six one guards as your best players. So I guess they're fucked. They're shit out of luck. Um, I don't know. I I think they probably will ultimately have to, like you can't trade Garland until you know. Mitchell is going to stay anyway. So they don't really have that option. Like they have to keep Garland until they know. Now, if Mitchell's like, I'm going to stay, I'm fucking staying. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, but like, if he does, then I think long term, like, yeah, I think you probably would have to move Garland because I don't think that like they are a good enough defensive backcourt. Um, and I also think that, like, yeah, like they maybe they, like stumble, like sometimes you stumble into things, right? Like maybe they stumble, like holy shit, Donald Mitchell the one is way better than Donald Mitchell the two, and our team is better with Donald Mitchell the one than Donald Mitchell the two. Like sometimes that just you stumble into shit, and that's what makes you a contender. I mean, that happened to Golden State, right? They basically stumbled into Draymond at the five, and all of a sudden they're like, oh shit, guess this works. Let's do this a lot. Um, yeah, and, and you wonder. I mean, I think Mitchell's like advanced stats really like his defense a lot more this year. You wonder how much of it is driven by him guarding maybe smaller players as opposed to you know, he's doing things like guarding Archie Barrett last year, right? Which he's a pretty strong guy, but you're asking a lot of him. I think Sexton similarly has had has looked better on defense when he's been able to guard point of attack instead of um, you know bigger players. So yeah, so, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. They got definitely some interesting decisions for them uh, that will need to be made over the next year, basically calendar year. Uh, all right. 
That's a good place to end it. Uh, Stacy, let's move on. I can find you and plug anything you like to plug. Uh, Stacy Patton 89. Um, nothing to plug right now. Nice. Uh, I will plug all the work of the Strickland. Check that out. And um, yeah, I will. Uh, I'll plug all all the uh, the great things that are that the Knicks are doing. Um, and uh, hopefully they keep the uh, keep the positive momentum going tonight. Uh, all right, that is our show for today. Thank you to our sponsor, Bet Online. Thank you to everybody for listening. I uh, hope everybody has a great week, and I'll see you on Friday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.